With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, so this is Sunday the 20... What? What? 5th? 5th. Oh, there it is. The 25th. There you go. Thank you. Um, and, um, so now we finally got Jacob to do what he should have done in the first place. Go back to Bethel. And he did. And when he did, God met him there. And God reaffirmed all the promises that he'd made to Abraham to Jacob. And he told Jacob that Jacob would be blessed, that God was going to give him the land that he promised to Abraham, give his descendants the land that he promised to Abraham. And so Jacob sealed that promise, sealed that little covenant with a drink offering and an anointing of oil. So that was in a way like Jacob saying amen to what God said. Um, and then, while Jacob's at Bethel, um, another son is born to Rachel. So, this is in Jacob's old age. I mean, really old age. Um, he had Joseph by Rachel, and, um, now he's having another son. So, let's look at verse um, 16 in Genesis 35. Um, And they journeyed from Bethel. And there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. This area of Ephrath is about a mile south of Bethlehem, which interestingly is exactly the area where the shepherds were when um, Jesus was born, when the announcement came. Those sheep, just this is a freebie, and it's a bird walk. But those sheep, the people of Bethlehem, raised those sheep as sacrifices for the temple. They're five miles south of Jerusalem. And the sheep that the shepherds raised in in Bethlehem were the ones that were used for sacrifice in the temple. Interesting that Jesus was born in the shelter, in in the the, um, animal keep, um, um, right, in Bethlehem where the sheep were raised for, you know. Okay, that's just a little side note. That's free. Okay, back to Bet-Lahem Ephrata. Bet-Lahem is actually the house of bread, is what that means. Bet is the letter B, which is also um, means tent or house. Lahem is bread. So Bet-Lahem, Bethlehem, the house of bread. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 
but Bethlehem Ephrata. Okay, so they had moved to Ephrata, which is just about a mile south then of the little town of Bethlehem, where Bethlehem is now. Okay, <clears throat> enough geography. Um, 17, and it came to pass <clears throat> when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Fear not, you shall have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Ani, but his father called him Ben-Amin, Ben-Yamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar upon her grave, that is a pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. Okay. <clears throat> um, Ben-Yamin literally... Um, it's the son of my right hand, but um, it John Gill, the Christian writers say that it meant that to Jacob, Benjamin would be like at his right hand, dear and assisting him in his old age. But Hebrew writers say that the right hand points south so that he was called the son of the south because he was born in Canaan and not in Haran, like the rest of the sons. So either way, it doesn't matter, but that's Benjamin, that's where it comes from. This King James says that uh, <coughs> Benjamin was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, yeah. And, and Benoni meant son of sorrow, and, and, and Benjamin is son of right hand. Right. And Jesus was really both. He was. Son of sorrow, son of the right hand. And also son of the south. Either way, because he was born in the south where all the other brothers were born in Haran, which is in the north. So all three fit. But um, <clears throat> there's so many parallels and so many important truths about um, being born in Bethlehem, you know. And in that sense, yes, Benjamin was a type of Jesus. Um, and... Um, so, in a way, I mean, he didn't take Joseph's place by any means, but he would be a great comfort, you know, when, when Joseph is taken from him. Joseph isn't gone right now, but, you know, when that all happens, um, Benjamin will be a great comfort to him. Okay. <clears throat> Interesting. You get to verse 21, and um, let's back up to verse 10 for a minute. God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name will not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel shall your name be. And he called his name Israel. And we talked about the reason for that. Israel <clears throat> is a name that it, um, some Christian authors said way back at the wrestling match, his name was changed to Israel because his nature was changed. But no, his nature did not ever change. But the Hebrew authors have this right. This was the prophetic name of the nation that was to be born from him. Not only the nation, but also Jesus, who would come through Judah. Because um, <clears throat> Yisra means rule as God. El means in strength and power. Yisrael, to rule as God in strength and power. Okay. 
Little Jacob never ruled as God in strength and power. Jesus will rule as God in strength and power. So, <clears throat> when they speak of Jacob as just a human man, just humanity, doing his own thing, the name Jacob is what's used. So, Jacob had a son, Ben, Yami, okay? But, when any anything happening to Jacob refers to what anything that's going to take place as far as the nation of Israel goes, he's called Israel. So, <clears throat> this is the first time that Moses calls him Israel. And the reason he calls him Israel is because the twelfth son has been born. You don't see him called Israel from the chapter where he's wrestling with God all the way up to this point. He's not called Israel. He's called Jacob. <clears throat> but as soon as the twelfth son is born, the final seed for the twelve tribes of Israel, the nation of Israel, all the seed of Israel now are present. The very first thing you see is they call his name Israel. So verse 21, in Israel, that means the seed of the twelve tribes, journeyed and spread their tent beyond the tower of Adar. That's down near um, Beersheba where Isaac is. Okay? <clears throat> this next sentence is just stuck in there, but it's, you know, it shows that the door is still open for the enemy with Jacob. No matter what, Jacob has not closed that door to the to the attacks of the enemy. And look at verse 22. And it came to pass when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben went and laid with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Um, we'll read that next sentence in a minute. <clears throat> Whatever that nutball was thinking, nobody knows. <coughs> but it was another heartache that strikes at Jacob in his old age when his oldest son, the son of his inheritance, <coughs> um, would go and lay with his concubine wife, Bilhah. Who was the mother of several. That's right. She years. was the son of, of the mother of Dan and Naphtali. And you know, so he was a concubine wife. So the son slept with his father's wife. You know, what was he thinking? Now, um, <clears throat> John Gill says it like this. His concubine wife was the maid that Rachel gave him. And this added to the affliction and made it double to lose Rachel by death and then to have her favorite maid, his concubine, defiled by his own son. Um, another heartache in a long run of tragedies um, for Jacob. Um, but Reuben paid the price. If you go to Genesis 49, God's given, I mean, um, this is right before um, Jacob dies. And he's giving out his blessings. And speaking the blessings or 
the cursings over each one of his sons. So look at verse 3. <clears throat> 49 3. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable is water. So instead of getting the blessing, he gets the cursing. You will not excel. In other words, you will not be happy, nor prosperous, nor blessed by God in any way. That word excel doesn't mean, you know, you'll just be super excellent. It means you will not prosper in the blessings of God. Period. Um, because you went up to your father's bed and defiled it. And he went up to my couch. So, um, Reuben loses everything. He loses the blessing of his father over that. Loses everything. Um, and um, inheritance-wise, he loses everything. He says, you're not going to get the blessing. That, that word excel doesn't mean you'll just, you know, really be a big success in the world. It just means, no, you're not, you're not going to prosper in blessing at all. Period. So Reuben paid for that. Um, the next thing you see, Isaac passes away. He's 180 years old. Dad's gone now. Um, look at verse 27. Oh, I'm sorry. Back up. Because if you look at verse 21, Israel is named. So that means the 12 sons um, spread their tents beyond the tower of Adar. Um, now go down to the last sentence in verse 22. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. This, so they speak of Jacob as a human man having sons, but Israel, the seed of the nation, moves together. All 12 sons move together and camp together. So you can see the difference in why they call Jacob Jacob and Israel Israel. Okay? And they name the 12 sons. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar and Zebulun, and the sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin, and the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's handmaiden, Dan and Naphtali, and the sons of Zilpah, Leah's handmaid, Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob which were born to him in Padan Aram. Okay. So all twelve are there. Jacob the man is the one who sired the sons. But the whole clan, the future seed of the nation of Israel, all twelve sons, move south. So Israel journeys south. Okay. That's the difference in the Jacob word and Israel. And Jacob came to Isaac his father into Mamre in the city of Arba, which is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. And the days of Isaac were a hundred and four score, 180 years old. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Um, <clears throat> it is obvious that the two sons um, um, came together for this, okay? They came together for the burial. The first few verses of uh, chapter 36 
um, go with this. But this whole chapter, and we're going to read it really fast, is a begat chapter. And there are several reasons for this next chapter. Um, first, this is the fulfillment of prophecy. Abraham, the father of many nations, and the prophecy where Rebekah would have two nations within her womb, Jacob and Esau. So it's Israel and Edom are the two nations there. Um, and what's Edom now? Edom is, that's all the land south of the uh, Dead Sea, which I think would be like Jordan and Yemen and all those places down there. Um, <clears throat> so that's the first reason that this chapter has to be here. Because this speaks of a great nation. And it also explains a little bit about why like Israel being scattered throughout the world is never lost. It's going to be reunited. Every, every bit of the tribe of Israel is going to be restored in Israel. Edom is never lost. Even though it seems to blend into all these different countries, Edom will not be lost either. And Edom is in God's crosshairs for the last battles. When Jesus comes back to do war, one of the first places he's going is to Edom. And he's going to destroy them utterly wipe them out so I'm going to show you some scripture for that in a little bit this also confirms the struggle between Jacob and Esau because Edom becomes a powerful nation dominating the region until it falls to David then it becomes subservient to Israel but then Edom allies itself with Assyria when northern Israel is taken out and then they ally themselves with Babylon when southern Israel or Ju uh, um, Judah is taken out. And they rejoice when Israel is gone. They rejoice. And that's why God has never forgiven them for that. This also confirms Esau as the father of a nation. <coughs> and um, so for that reason, the chapter is important. So let's just read the whole chapter. Then I'm going to go back and we'll point out uh, some key things in it, okay? Get ready because I'm not good at this. <clears throat> now these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and Aholibama, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zebaian, the Hivite. And Bashemath, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nabajoth. And Adah bare to Esau, Eliphaz and Bashemath bare Ruel. And Aholibama bare Jush and Jalam and Korah. These are the sons of Esau, which were born to him in the land of Canaan. <clears throat> and Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters, and all the persons of his house and his cattle, and all his beasts and all his substance which he had got in the land of Canaan and he went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob for their riches were more than they might dwell together and the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle thus dwelt Esau in Mount Sire and Esau is Edom 
And these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites and Mount Zaire. These are the names of Esau's sons. Eliphaz, the son of Adah, the wife of Esau, uh, <clears throat> the wife of Esau, Ruel, the son of Bashamath, the wife of Esau. And the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Canaz. And Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son. And she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. These are the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. And these are the sons of Ruel, Nahath, and Zerah, Shammah, Mizah, and these were the sons of Bashamath, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of Aholibamath, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zebaim, Esau's wife. And she bare Esau, Jush, Jealam, and Korah. And these were the dukes of the sons of Esau, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn son of Esau, Duke Teman, Duke Omar, Duke Zepho, and Duke Kenaz, Duke Korah, Duke Gotham, and Duke Amalek. These are the dukes that came of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Adah. And these are the sons of Ruel, Esau's son, Duke Nahath, Duke Zerah, Duke Shammah, Duke Mizah. These are the dukes that came of Ruel in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Bashamath, Esau's wife. Oh my God, we still got another column and a half. And these are the sons of Aholibama, Esau's wife, Duke Jush, Duke Jealam, Duke Korah. These were the dukes that came of Aholibama, the daughter of Anna, Esau's wife. <clears throat> these are the sons of Esau, who is Edom, and these are their dukes. These are the sons of Sire, the Horite, who inhabited the land, Lotan, Shobal, and Zebaian, and Anna and Dishon, and Ezer, and Dishon. <clears throat> These are the dukes of the Horites, the children of Zaire in the land of Edom. And the children of Lotan are Hori and Haman, and Lotan's sister was Timnah. And the children of Shobal were these, Alvan, Manahath, Ebal, Shepho, and Onam. And these are the children of Zebaian both Aja and Anna. This was that Anna that found the mules in the wilderness as he fed the asses of Zebaian his father. We'll come back to that. <clears throat> and the children of Anna were these, Dishon and Aholibama, the daughter of Anna. And these are the children of Dishon, Hemdon and Eshbon and Ethron and Sharon. And the children of Ezar are these, Bilhan and Zeavon and Achan. And the children of Dishon are these, Uz and Aaron. <clears throat> and these are the dukes that came of the Horites, Duke Lotan, Duke Shobal, Duke Zebaian, and Duke Anna. Duke Dishon, Duke Ezer, Duke Dishon. These are the dukes that came of Hori, among their dukes in the land of Sire. And these are the kings that reigned in the land of Edom before there reigned any king over the children of Israel. <clears throat> and Bela, the son of Baor, reigned in Edom, and the name of his city was Dinabah. And Bela died, and Jobab, the son of Zerah, or Basra, reigned in his stead. And Jobab died, and Husham, 
of the land of Timni reigned in his stead. And Husham died, and Hadad the son of Bedad, who smote Midian in the field of Moab, reigned in his stead, and the name of his city was Avi. <clears throat> and Hadad died, and Samlah of Masrakah reigned in his stead. <clears throat> and Samlah died, and Saul of Rehoboth by the river reigned in his stead. And Saul died, and Baal-Hanan, the son of Achbor, reigned in his stead. And Baal-Hanan, the son of Achbor, died, and Hadar reigned in his stead. And the name of his city was Paul, and his wife's name was Mahathabel, the daughter of Matred, the daughter of Mezahab. And these are the names of the dukes that came of Esau, according to their families, after their places by their names, Duke Timnah, Duke Alva, Duke Japheth, Duke Aholimabama, Duke Elah, Duke Pinon, Duke Kenaz, Duke Timon, Duke Midzar, Duke Magdiel, Duke Iram, and these be the Dukes of Edom, according to their habitation in the land of their possession. He is Esau, the father of the Edomites. Oh my gosh! What a chapter! What a yawner! Okay, <clears throat> just a few things. We're going to go back and just like breeze through this chapter. <clears throat> Let me get a cough drop here real quick. And um, look, look at verses 6 to 8. Um, okay, let's just read here. And Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house and his cattle <clears throat> and all his beasts and all his substance which he had got in the land of Canaan. And he went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. For their riches were more than that they might dwell together. And the land therein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle. Okay. There's a picture here of both Jacob and Esau in the land of Isaac until he died. All the Targum writers and the Hebrew writers, even the Christian writers go along with this, that it was agreed that two-thirds of Isaac's possessions went to Jacob because of the blessing. And one-third went to Ishmael. Well, they both had their own tribes anyway. And now they split everything that Isaac had and God had blessed Isaac tremendously. So the land couldn't hold both families. And so um, what happened after Isaac's death is that Esau took his wives and children those that were born in Canaan while he was there with his father and all that. And he moved back south to Sire where he had been when Jacob came out of Haran. And so Esau dwelt in the south and Jacob dwelt in the north or north of them. Did Jacob stay where Isaac was? Yes. Jacob stayed in Beersheba in that area. <clears throat> which would have been south and east of Bethlehem. Um, 
in the area where Isaac had been. And um, so um, Esau becomes the nation um, of Eden. And um, it's a very powerful tribe. He becomes a very powerful tribe. And his history is strong all the way up to the fact of being such a great nation that they had kings over them. Um, and all of that happened before Israel ever came into the land. Mm -hmm. Before Israel ever had Saul as their first king, all of this took place in Edom. Edom became a great nation long before Israel did. From this point, it's, uh, it's 500 years until Israel leaves Egypt, give or take a few years. Okay? Did they have one king over all this? Or okay. They have a long history here of all the kings that lived and died and lived and died. Okay. One king after another. Yeah. So eventually what happens is this. Dukes literally are um, sheiks or chieftains. So in the beginning, each tribe had their own sheiks or their own chieftains. So each tribe, even though they were together a nation, a family, each was run by its own sheik or its own chieftain. But eventually it gets so big, it becomes a great nation. And so they go away from the chieftain rule and move under a kingly rule. One king over an entire nation, as opposed to chieftains over each tribe. And it says the chiefs, the dukes, were chiefs of thousands. Yes. This is big. Yes, it's huge. They became a great nation. <clears throat> Millions. I mean, really a big nation. And so they went from chieftains to kingdoms. It went from a chiefdom to a kingdom. And when it went to a kingdom... It starts with um, verse 31, where the dukes stop. Then it says, these are the kings that reigned in the land of Egypt. There was a difference between the dukedoms and the kingdom. And then it lists the kings, Bela, and Baor, Bela, you know, Basra, all those kings that, that ruled one after the other after the other. In the dynasty of kings. And there was a Saul in their dynasty. Yes, there was. Yes, there was. <clears throat> so all of this happened. They became that great nation long before Israel was a nation at all. You can see why the Arabs or whoever they are say that their Bible parallels this and, and we're the real ones and Christianity, you know, you can see right. why they say that. Exactly right. Deceptive. Exactly right. Because Ishmael was the rightful heir from Abraham and, and Esau was the rightful heir from Jacob. You know, uh, I mean from Isaac. And um, so yes, you're exactly right. You can see exactly why they say 
we are the rightful heirs, the rightful owners. It was stolen from us. And, um, yeah, the war goes on. But, um, <clears throat> if you go to, um, let me see what I want to do. Let's go back to verse 12. And let's just look at some names of interest here. Um, Can I just ask a question? Yeah. Like you say, we, we see why this is all happening. Was this, do you think that all of this going on was the devil at work even back then? And the Lord was, I mean, the Lord could have made this all just unfold exactly the way he wanted it to. He could have. He could have. So what, what, what might have been going on? Or, I mean, I just... I uh, I look at this a lot, and I think I ha you have to go back really to that Mendelbrot theory. I don't know if you remember that, but Mendelbrot was a mathematician, and his theory was this: that everything in the in the world, known world, unfolds in some way, and there are a myriad of unfoldings, and no unfolding is the same. So if you take a tree. Every year it's re-unfolds, and each leaf has its own choice in the unfolding. Okay. But no matter how each leaf chooses to unfold, it's still an oak tree, or it's still a maple tree. So God allows us to choose our own unfolding, but He also knows the heart of everybody that unfolds. And He's in the future of everything. So that no matter how Ishmael or Esau decided to unfold, God was still going to make this come out as a nation of Israel. They could have chosen to go either way and it wouldn't have mattered. God is still going to be sure that in the unfolding, everybody getting their own freedom to choose, that it's still going to come out the way he wanted it to. Not because he's forcing it, but because, like with Pharaoh, he told Moses, he says, Moses, this is going to really tick Pharaoh off. It's going to harden his heart. You go in and tell him I said to let my people go. And it's really going to tick him off. So in a way, God's saying, I'm hardening uh, Pharaoh's heart. Well, he was by what he did. Because he knew how Pharaoh would react. So when God can get someone to cooperate with him, he knows how the other guy is going to react. God gets the one to cooperate with him to get things to circumvent the person in the way. And yeah, I do think the enemy had a lot to do with that. He didn't want Israel to ever be a nation. He did not want the prophecy of um, Messiah. Right, you know, crushing his head. I think you're right about that. But even in Satan's best attempts by causing men to think the way he wants them to think God outthinks them so um, no matter what happens it's still going to unfold the way he wants it, it's that verse that always comes back to me God works all for good 
according to his purposes. You know, it's still going to come back. God yeah. will take any situation. And right. He certainly <clears throat> has taken some right. and winners. And not because he forced it, but because that's the plan. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you and I choose, no matter how we choose to unfold, God knows our hearts. And he can find a way to either circumvent or use whatever we do. You know, and um, we just play our own hand and God plays it. But in the end, God is going to win. Everything is going to come out exactly the way he planned it. This did probably. Yeah. Exactly right. You're exactly right about that. So um, Esau could have been always a friend of Israel's. And that would have been fine with God. But he also knew Esau wouldn't be a friend. So early on in prophecies, over and over, God speaks to Edom, I'm coming after you. Because he knew what they would do. He knew the heart of Ishmael. He knew the heart of Isaac, Isaac before they were born. He knew the heart of Jacob and he knew the heart of Esau. And, and he knows our hearts. Yes. And, and the part, you know, at different times in my life, my, our hearts oh, yeah. can change. Oh, yeah. Our, thank God. Right. When our hearts can change. But God knows when our heart is bad, when it's kind of good, when it's yes. right spot on, yes. when it progresses. Yes. And he also ultimately knows where it's going to be. He knows your reactions. He knows exactly what your reactions are going to be. He knows how you're going to unfold every day you get up. He knows that. He doesn't control. Nope. He doesn't control you. He doesn't control any of that. He allows you to unfold however you want to. But in the unfolding, he'll use every circumstance, anything around you to be sure, knowing how you're going to react, knowing what you're going to do. He's going to get his plan through. He'll find the one that unfolds his way. If you want to be stubborn one day, you'll find somebody else who's listening, you know. So it won't matter how you unfold, God's way is going to be the way it is in the end. And, and he that's, wants every one of us to choose blessing. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Esau, Ishmael, Isaac, Esau, Jacob, all of them want everybody to unfold the way he wants. But because they don't, they have free will to choose. They have free will to choose. And I don't think Esau, Esau got over his anger. You know, and Esau and Jacob buried the hatchet. But Esau's children didn't get over the anger and still haven't gotten over the anger. But in the midst of it, God has said, I'm coming after you, Edom. I am coming after you. And there won't be one thing left of your nation. And that's set in stone. And one-on-one, uh, -on -one, anybody that wants to become a Christian, wants to give their heart to the Lord, however they want to unfold, that's the way they unfold. They can become a nation, you know, a holy priesthood, a royal nation, or they can stay an Edomite. That doesn't matter. The, the point is the nation of Israel, that root of hatred toward each Israel, that's going to be rooted out and destroyed, utterly destroyed. But one-on-one, -on -one, every human being has a choice. 
to accept or reject Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? So he's in control even though you and I are given free will. And even one of them who chose is in the line of Christ. One right. Of the women I kids. It's not Rahab. It's one of them. I, but it's just like, yeah. He, Rahab chose. I you know, know she chose, was a, was she she's from Jericho. Was she in that? Yes. Yes. She was. So, yes, she chose. And Ruth chose. Mm -hmm. And Ruth chose. Mm -hmm. And um, so, one-on-one, -on -one, everybody chooses. But no matter the unfolding, you can choose to accept or reject. doesn't matter, you know. In the end, the big picture is still going to be the big picture. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain that. And, yes, the devil's in the unfolding. Yeah, the, the devil is in the unfolding. Everybody gets a choice, and he's working every day to get people to choose Antichrist because that's the spirit of Antichrist in the earth. Roaming around. Yep. And he's very much involved in it all. It's just, um, and, and taking Genesis and looking at it, I think it really drives it home because we know, you know, we know the history after. And, you know, all this unfolding that happens, you go, wow. And yet, Revelation stands. It doesn't matter. Revelation stands. You know, just it just does. And um, so, yeah. Um, in, um, all right, in verse 12 here. First name of interest, Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. And these were the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. Amalek is a key. Go to 1 Samuel 15. God doesn't have much to do with um, Amalek a, either. He's a bad guy. Isn't yeah. He? he chose to unfold like his grandpa. 1 Samuel, mm -hmm. what chapter? 1 Samuel. Um, 15. Yes, he doesn't have much um, feeling for the Amalekites. Um, just look at verse 17. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight, were, not, were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed you king over Israel? He's speaking to Saul. And the Lord sent you on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. So that's a God's heart toward the Amalekites. He sent Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And then Teman is another name, verse 15 in Genesis 36. <clears throat> These were the dukes of the sons of Esau, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn son of Esau. Duke Teman, Duke Omar, Duke Zepho, Duke Kanaz, 
Um, is that where I want to be? Yes. Timon. Um, Timon becomes uh, a large city. The city of Timon. And God sets himself against them as well. Jeremiah 49. And against Edom. So this hits both. Look at verse 7. Okay, look at verse 7. Concerning Edom, thus says the Lord of hosts, is wisdom no more in Teman? Is counsel perished from the prudent? Is their wisdom banished? Flee, turn back, dwell deep, O inhabitants of Dedan, for I will bring the calamity of Esau upon him, the time that I will visit him. If the grape gatherers come to you, would they not leave some gleaning grapes? If the thieves by night, they will destroy till they have enough. But I have made Esau bare. I've uncovered his secret places, and he shall not be able to hide himself. His seed is spoiled, and his brethren and his neighbors, and he is not. And that means he no longer exists. And that's prophecy. He's rubbed out. That's prophecy that comes true in Revelations. Oh, yeah. That's what that's oh, yeah. Look at verse 17. Skip down to 17. We'll look at verse 16. The terribleness has deceived you, and the pride of your heart, O you that dwell in the clefts of the rocks and hold the heights of the hills, Though you should make your nest as high as the eagles, I will bring you down from thence, says the Lord. Also, Edom shall be a desolation. Everyone that goes by it will be astonished and will hiss at the plagues thereof. As in the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbor cities thereof, says the Lord, no man shall abide there, neither shall a son of man dwell in it. So just like he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, which were in the very same places, Sodom and Gomorrah were in exactly the same places where Edom takes up. And he says, just like I destroyed them, I'll make, I'll make Edom of nothing. So, um, the prophecies are all there, you know, that, um, um, there's no hope for Edom. One-on-one, -on -one, yes. But as a nation, no. Edom will no longer exist. Um, and when Jesus comes back, it describes how he comes from, uh, comes from the north down the east side of the Jordan River and down through the south through Edom and then back up to the northern side of Israel on the east side of, on the west side of the Jordan to the Valley of Megiddo where the final battle happens. And everybody's wiped out there. So... Um, yep, it's all going to come down that way. Um, it's not that Armageddon is just one battle. It's a whole series of battles. And he just marches right through the Middle East, cleans out all the land all the way to um, um, the Tigris River, 
cleans it all out, comes south below um, where where um, Edom is, and then all the way up, all that land from from the Egyptian River Nile all the way to the Tigris and Euphrates is completely cleaned out, and that becomes Israel, and he rules from Jerusalem. That's right. So it all gets cleaned out when he comes back in Revelations 19 with the sword in his mouth and the blood on the ends of his garments. Um, yep, that's it. Um, one other just odd verse there is um, the one about, um, go back to Genesis 36. This is just kind of weird, so I looked it up. Verse 24. These are the children of Zebaian, both Aja and Anna. And this was that Anna that found the mules in the wilderness as he fed the asses of Zebaian his father. The translation of the word mules there is really um, uh, weird. It, it can be translated waters, and it can also be translated mules, an odd breed. So Targum writers think that it referred to he saw asses mixing with horses and producing this odd breed, something like a mule. But other ancient versions, and I like this better, say the word mules is translated water, and it refers to the discovery of a remarkable fountain while feeding the asses, perhaps in a place that is unexpected. And to me, that's more important because that's life. You know, mules uh, mm, doesn't have much to do with life and future. But the idea that they found a fountain, um, that's always a mark of life. A source of water in the deserts, always a source of life and a mark of, you know, future prosperity. So that's just history. That's not in Scripture someplace else. Mm. No. Mm -mm. It isn't referred to anywhere else. But that's what the Hebrew people say about it. So, okay, we're going to pick up next week on 37, and we're going to start Joseph's story. Um, and, um, yeah, we'll take a couple of sidebars on that, too, but... Mostly we'll just stick with the story. Because it's good. It's all good. Okay, let me just pray for everybody. Father, I just speak blessings over everybody here. Blessings over our families. Um, blessings over our children, our children's children, Lord. Um, <clears throat> I just thank you, Lord, that we're blessing our going out. Blessing our coming in. Blessing our lying down. Blessing our rising up. Bless in our baskets and our stores. Prosper in our animals, Lord. Um, all of our kind, whether it's pets or farm animals or whatever, we are supremely blessed there, Father. And um, we're blessed in the things that we set our hands to. We're the head and not the tail and above only and not beneath. And, Father, we just thank you for doing that so that we can be a blessing. And I ask again that you just pull everything fleshly out of us so that when people look at us, they see Jesus. And give us an opportunity this week to be your servant, um, to be about our Father's business, Lord, um, to share the gospel and the good news with other people. And we just give you the praise for it now. Thank you, Father. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.